so I didn't have the mic on, so we got to redo all that. It's good to see you guys. You guys ready? We have. Uh, uh, hope you guys' minds are ready, uh, because I don't know if you looked at your handout for the message later, but there's a lot to go over. Uh, good news is we don't have to get it done today. So, but uh, this morning in our Sunday school, um, if you weren't with us the last two weeks, we are uh, just starting the Book of Romans, and so the last two weeks we did an introduction. Sorry. Oh no. Oh, and I can't get through there because let me step on everybody. That's okay. That's okay. And and that's and that's for the service. And that's for the service, not for Sunday school. I don't give them out for Sunday school. Typically, maybe one of these days I'll get around to doing that. Uh, but baby steps, okay? Baby steps for me. But uh, if somebody is listening online and you're going to be listening to the service, one of the announcements I'm going to make later is the fact that. You can now get the sermon uh, handouts that day, uh, meaning I've created a new um, menu um, on the webpage, same section the bulletins are at, that you can get the handout. So if somebody's listening online, you can actually get that handout for today. Um, it's already up there. So uh, I'll mention that again uh, later for, uh, for the service. But again, uh, here in Romans, we did two weeks of introduction, and now we'll begin our, our verse by verse. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I don't expect to get beyond verse 1 today, um, and um, hopefully we can get done with verse 1. And so that's, that's, that's going to be the goal. And uh, if we end up getting done and we've got more to, more to look at, um, really verses 1 through 5 were, was my initial goal for us to get through. But go ahead and turn with me to the book of Romans, if you're not already there. Romans chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, again, if you didn't listen to uh, or weren't here for the introduction, uh, those, are, those are online. It would be to your advantage to listen to those introductions. Not because um, I bring so much great depth of knowledge, but because there is information in there that uh, will help you. All right, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Um, And this, again, um, is... We kind of just take it for granted, this this statement here in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of God... I'm sorry, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated in the gospel of God. We take that kind of for granted because we've looked at the other books of the Bible, and we know Paul is an apostle, and and all of these types of things. But keep in mind, uh, this is the very first book that this statement is given. You have the historical book of the book of Acts. Imagine for a moment if you went from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, straight to Romans, and you didn't have the book of Acts to tell you what... You'd be like, Paul who? Who is this Paul? And so that's one of the reasons why God saw fit to give us that historical book of Acts that tells the story of going from God's dealings with the nation of Israel to God's dealings through the body of Christ. And so when you see this statement, this Paul called to be an apostle, keep in mind Paul did not qualify to be an apostle like the twelve to the nation of Israel. He was unqualified for that. He did not meet the, the necessary requirements. And, and many um, Bible teachers mistakenly confuse people by suggesting that, that Paul was actually supposed to be Judas's replacement. That whenever in, Act, in, in Acts, um, in Acts uh, 1, uh, whenever the, the 11 apostles go to replace um, um, uh, Judas and they replace him with Matthias, they suggest that that was uh, a mistake on their part, that God really wanted Paul. Well, that's not the case. Paul was not qualified to be an apostle for there, uh, but he was the one who was uh, separated unto the gospel of God. And as we examine these two situations, keep that in mind. He was not qualified. Turn to Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. Look a little bit of what I'm talking about here. Has anybody heard that before? Have you been taught that before, that Paul was supposed to be the apostle? Yeah, and, and so that's just that's not the case. Matthew 19, verse 28. 
keep in mind that nothing God does is, is by accident. Whenever, whenever Jesus calls his 12 apostles, uh, there's a reason why there's 12 of them. How many tribes of Israel were there? 12. And so there needed to be 12. Matthew 19, verse 28, and said, Jesus said unto them, and this is the twelve, Verily I say unto you that, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So there's, in the future, there's going to be twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, um, we've talked about this in, in other um, uh, teachings. Is the body of Christ a tribe? No. Are we tribe of Israel? No. These 12 apostles, part of their apostleship is to sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Paul's apostleship has nothing to do with that, but theirs did. And so here Christ is telling them of of a surety that whenever this, this time comes, you're going to be involved in that, you 12 apostles. And so this is why whenever Judas... Who, um, who was a child of the devil, Jesus describes him as. Haven't I not chosen you, yet one of you is of the devil, as he says, talking about Judas. This is why Judas had to be replaced. There had to be 12, because you can't have 11 judges over 12 tribes. There needed to be one for each tribe. And so that's why whenever they replaced Judas with Matthias, as we're going to say in a few moments here, it was done appropriately, and the right person was selected. So uh, we got to keep that in mind. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 28. Luke 22, verse 28. 28 through 30 is what we'll be looking at. Luke 22, 28 through 30 says, You are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And so we see here again, Jesus is talking to these twelve, and he's describing part of the things that they didn't understand, completely contemplate, that they have a responsibility Apostles aren't just, hey, the really smart teachers. That's not what an apostle is. As we're going to see with, with apostles, they go almost like whenever a king, uh, back in Israel's day, one of the cool recent finds in, in the city of David, which verified the scriptures, uh, was the signet, and I forgot which one it was um, that, that's mentioned in the Bible, it was, it was the, the ring that, that showed that he had the authority of the king. Well, apostles were somebody who were sent, but they were also sent with authority. This is why the 12 apostles could forgive sins. This is why whenever, when Jesus gives them the, the authority to literally forgive sins or to retain people's sins, um, that had to do with kingdom authority that the apostles had. Nobody today can forgive sins. I don't care if they're wearing a fancy robe and they're in Rome, nobody can forgive sins today. The apostles could because they had that authority. And so that's kind of what he's talking about here, that there's this, this position that you hold. And um, again, it wasn't because they were necessarily the smartest. For whatever the reasons, God chose the people that he chose. He chose those 12. Yeah. The, uh, might the same parallel be drawn for healing, like when they went out two mm-hmm. by two to heal? And yep. That permission or that... Uh, already do that but we don't now correct healing if, if you and I'm assuming everybody could hear his comment Derek's comment is, is healing also related it is um, and, and we'll be talking a little bit about that but healing uh, was one of the signs of an apostle and Paul as we're going to look at later he showed those signs we don't have healing today for a couple of reasons one of those being is we don't have apostles who have that authority although there were other people who did healings at this time but those healings, again, were as a, as a reason to substantiate the messenger. Um, it wasn't to substantiate the message so much. It was the messenger. So if Apostle Paul comes on the scene and he's teaching something different than the 12, how did the 12 know that Paul is an apostle? Jesus, There's nothing in Scripture that says Jesus went to Peter and said, Hey, by the way, 
Paul's on our side now. How did they know? The same reason that the people were supposed to know about them because of the signs and the wonders that he did. Reg, did you have your hand up? I, I, I just wanted to have, go back a little bit. You were talking about the 12 tribes mm-hmm. uh, being judged by the 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. And in, I think it's in Corinthians, I'm not real sure, but uh, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, No, you're not. You shall draw, uh, judge angels. Yeah. Two different spheres. Sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the body of Christ, how that works. Um, some people will probably try to elaborate more on it than I will. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I don't pretend to understand how that's going to work, how we're going to judge angels. But there is that reference talking about the body of Christ that we will judge angels. Um, and so it's going to be very, very interesting, interesting situation. So Derek is, is right. The, the healings is a part of it. Miracles, signs, wonders were a part of it that they could, they could literally do. And again, people, because they don't rightly divide, because they don't understand, um, one, the simple approach to how do you understand the scriptures, they want to spiritualize the text whenever, whenever Christ says, if you have faith, you can sell this mountain to move. And then so today people say, well, you're not healed because you don't have enough faith. No, you're not healed because we don't have healers today. Pray to God for healing. Maybe you'll get a miracle. But there aren't healers today. But there was a time when there were healers, and they had kingdom, power, authority. Tim? I mean, even Paul, during his lifetime as an apostle, he even lost the ability to yep. heal uh, before you know the Bible was finished uh, being written, yep. so it, it's not like he, it was a lifelong thing that he was able to do. Obviously, his uh, his stone in the flesh, he wasn't able to, to heal himself, and I think there are other references too. Oh yeah, yeah, we see different people uh, in Scripture where Paul is talking, and he talks about people who have been sick, and well. You know, if, if it's just a matter of, of having enough faith and we have some sort of a tent meeting with some healing service or whatever, you're telling me the Apostle Paul didn't have enough faith to heal somebody? You know, or he didn't want to heal, heal different people? What does Paul tell, tell Timothy? Take a little wine for your stomach's sake. And so, I mean, yeah, there, there's cases later, as we see, where those signed gifts have been, been removed. And so um, his message has been established and so, but turn over here to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> Look at uh, verse uh, 21 here. Here we see um, this is the uh, establishment of the replacement for Judas, which is going to be Matthias. And here we see specifically that there's a qualification that had to be met to be one of the 12 apostles. Because an apostle was not, was not just somebody who, who did sign gifts, not just somebody who had um, um, authority, but they were a witness of something. They had to be a witness of things. And here we see verse 21. Um, Again, this is the establishment of the replacement for Judas. It says, Wherefore of these men, which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in, went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to the witness with us of his resurrection. In other words, that somebody from, from Jesus' baptism all the way until he's taken up. Somebody who was a witness of all these things, someone must be appointed. Somebody who meets that qualification, who was there that whole time. Because again, these apostles were witnesses. They were there to give firsthand testimony. They were there to, you know, we, go, we think of courts, you know, you're somebody who's going to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, because I was a witness. I saw these things. I saw this happen with Jesus throughout his ministry. I saw him die and, and, and ascend up into heaven. They had to be a witness. Couldn't just be somebody who was a strong believer. They had to, to meet this qualification. And guess who didn't meet that qualification? 
Yeah, Saul, Paul. He didn't meet that qualification. And so he couldn't have been one of the twelve. And to, to teach such a thing is just erroneous. It doesn't, it doesn't fit, fit the scriptures. And so um, he was uh, not, not qualified for that. Nor, um, as we consider, we talked about this, I believe it was last week. Um, as Paul gets called to be an apostle, his apostleship is, is really to both Israel and the Gentiles. Though we see through the dispensational understanding that God sets the nation of Israel aside and, and Paul is, is really dealing with the world as a whole because God's not really dealing with nations anymore. Um, we saw that in, in, as we looked at this introduction that it, he's writing to all those who be in Rome. Not to Rome, but to everyone who's there who is called to be a saint, everybody. And so it's not a, a, a national thing. That is quite different than the 12 apostles situation. Um, in their situation, example after example in, in the Gospels, Christ even tells them, don't even go in the way of the Gentiles. In other words, picture this. If you're going from one town to another, you, you literally go around the Gentiles. Avoid them, is what he would say. You're not supposed to go into them. And, and, and there's a lot of understanding for that, but it's why he says, I come only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to call them because under that situation, that program, the Gentiles could be saved, but they had to come through the nation of Israel. Not so under Paul. But if you look at the book of Numbers, there was a time when that was the case. Look at Numbers chapter 23, verse 9. If you're familiar with uh, Balaam, uh, Numbers chapter 23. If you're familiar with the story of Balaam and Balak, whenever Balak wanted to uh, have Balaam curse the, the people of Israel and, and Balaam was willing to do so for enough money and, and as he's trying to pronounce a curse on the people of Israel, he goes to say one thing and something totally else comes out of his mouth. Really cool story if you ask me. Um, he's like... Um, and then he goes back to Balak, and Balak's like, what are you doing? You, I, I paid you to curse him, and you blessed him. And he says, what can I do? You know, If God says I can't do it, what can I do? And so that's when all of this stuff here is taking place. Look at Numbers 23, verse 9. Um, here it says, during this, this, um, this exchange, notice verse 9, what he says about the people of Israel. From the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who is this referring to? Israel. Israel was not reckoned among the nations. When God sat, set aside the Gentiles, and he called the nation of Israel, and he started doing something special with them, Israel was, was called all of these special things of God. And they literally weren't reckoned with the rest. They were special, which is why they were separate. They were set apart. They were supposed to, to do all of these ter- certain things to show that they were separate and set apart. And so doesn't it just make sense that they have their own apostles? They have their own apostles because there was a program in which God was working with. They weren't accounted with the rest. But now when we get to the apostle of the Gentiles, when we get to the apostle Paul, there is no more a of this situation that God's dealing with. There is a transition. Don't get me wrong. There is a transition that God is working with because he's got people under one program as he's starting another one. But the fact of the matter is, is with Israel and the 12, they were dealing with Israel. And then all of a sudden Paul comes. Paul, who wasn't qualified to be an apostle to the 12, um, gets called. All right, back to Romans. Romans chapter 1 here, so we can continue to look at what we're talking about here. Um, again, um, as I pointed out, uh, as we started here, this is the first book, other than the book of Acts, which this statement that Paul is an apostle is declared to us. And again, that, that, that has you know, ramifications that need to be understood. Um, again, he's not just a, a Bible teacher. He's somebody with with authority. Uh, this apostleship is a high status. Um, and, and Paul uh, is humble, 
humble about it, but it's a high status nonetheless. Not because of anything other than the one who appointed him there. I mean, to be honest with you, the way that we should look at things, even in our government, um, an ambassador to the United Nations, an ambassador to some to some foreign country, somebody who has that sent situation, um, their their status is important because of who sends them. Is really what it comes down to, and so um, this status is is important. Look at Second Corinthians chapter two, and we'll look at some of those signs of a of apostle that Paul was part of. Somebody have their hand up? I did. Oh, Mike. But a question. Sure. The, it, I think it's interesting. To me, it, there seems to be some correlation between Christ spending three years with the Twelve mm-hmm. and three years with Paul. I agree. I agree. And, and I said, I think, Second Corinthians 2, I meant 12, if I said the wrong thing. But what Mike said is exactly right. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not by accident that the God spends three years teaching Paul um, in Arabia. He's, he's, he spends three years teaching him. Um, and Paul is going to declare, um, and I'm sure we'll look at verses, that he was a witness of Jesus Christ. He saw the resurrected Christ. Um, he talked with him. And it wasn't in dreams or visions in that sense. Literally, God, uh, literally Jesus appeared unto him. And he did so multiple t- multiple times. Remember what, what, what uh, Paul said, that he had this thorn in the flesh, that he prayed three times that God would take it away from him. But, but what does he say the reason why it was left there? It was to buffet him. It was... Also because um, Christ's strength is made perfect in Paul's weakness, which is another, another thing to talk about, which we could spend the rest of the morning on and that. But the fact of the matter is, is because of the abundance of the revelations. Paul was getting so many appearances of Jesus Christ and revelations that there was a literal fleshly threat that Paul could become haughty and, and lifted up. And this was literally, according to Scripture there, left there to buffet them. In other words, to keep him humbled on the amount of revelations that he was getting. And so, um, that's, at least that's what it tells us. But look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And so, yeah, I would agree with Mike that that three years in Arabia that, that um, Paul spent with Christ uh, explains how, how he knows all of this stuff. Again, it's not like Jesus plugged a you know, a jump drive into his arm and downloaded all this information. He literally spent time uh, with with Jesus learning this stuff. We talked uh, a while back about uh, Jesus um, after his uh, resurrection, um, how he, he spoke with the two on the road to Emmaus, and he, he opened the scriptures with these, with these two men. Uh, well, that's obviously what he did with the Apostle Paul is he, he helped them to understand all of these things. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, is the just above where we're going to be, is the, is the verse we were talking about. But look here at verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at verse 11. He says, I, have become, I am become a fool in glory. Well, what's he going to glory about? Because of his... You know, boasting because of he's an apostle and things that have been done through him. And he doesn't like to brag on that. He says, You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Now, take what that's saying. In no way am I behind the chiefest apostles. Peter, any of them, is he in any way inferior at all to them. My authority is every bit as much as theirs. Um, Either he better be telling the truth or he's really on the wrong side of truth here. And so, um, verse 12, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. And so keep in mind, Paul went around validating um, or I should say, being validated by God with these signs and wonders. Um, there were quite a bit of them. Look at Acts chapter 19 um, as another reference to it. 
Acts 19, verses 11 and 12. Here we see, you've heard that reference to the handkerchiefs that um, were passed out. Um, This is that reference, if you're taking notes. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. And um, and again, the signs of an apostle, what is that telling us? It's telling us that God is trying to validate, you better listen to what this guy has to say, because he's coming in my name. Um, what he has to say I'm fully validating you can see these signs and these wonders that he's doing. So keep that in mind whenever he says he's an apostle. That's no small matter. That's a, that's a high office, and this was validated by God, and the scriptures point this out over and over again, that that was his position. Matter of fact, in nine of Paul's 13 epistles, it opens with the same way that Romans does. Nine of the 13, it opens with the idea, this statement here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. In other words, in, in one variant form or another, how it's worded. It, nine of the 13, it says that. Yet all of the other ones still, um, in one way or another, still reinforce his authority and apostleship. But nine of the 13 open that way. I would say that there's a message that's trying to be presented here. Yeah. I have wondered why Paul... <clears throat> Uh, performed signs in Corinth could it be that he did it because of the Jews it says in Acts 18 3 no 4 that when he went into Corinth he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks since the Jews require a sign was that the function of signs that he did in Corinth, or is there another reason why the Gentiles would have responded to signs? I mean, I, I my personal belief is is uh, yes, he did it for both the Jews because keep in mind when we say the Jews required a sign, that's not a negative statement. They were told to look for signs. They were told to requ- to require that. Maybe because God one day would be sending people who would do the signs. You know, he knew he was going to do that. And so, yes, I, I would agree that I, I think that it was for the Jews, but also I think it was for the Gentiles. Because whenever you have, remember when Paul goes to Athens, he's dealing with philosophers. He's dealing with people of, of, of a, a mindset that have a much different belief system. Meaning there are those who were believer, believers in God's um, but as far as believing in the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, um, they didn't generally believe that. Matter of fact, as soon as Paul got to what topic did they say basically, oh, okay, we're done here. Remember what that was? The resurrection of the dead. When Paul gets to the resurrection of the dead, most of them were pretty much like, well, when Paul starts going around to Gentile cities and raising the dead and curing all of these people, it's going to open up some eyes. So I think it was for both. Um, but obviously we do know that the Jews required a sign. And keep in mind, um, Paul's ministry was not just to Gentiles. His ministry was to Jews, it was to Gentiles, and it was to kings, is, is what it says. And so he had a ministry to all of these groups. And so, yeah, I think as he goes into these groups, Acts, Acts 18 points out here, when he goes into these, it, it was his custom to go into the synagogue first, and then once they rejected, he would go out to the, probably the town square or where the Gentiles were getting getting together, and he would start preaching and talking, and, and, and then he would probably do signs and wonders because he even says that he's trying to provoke Israel to jealousy. Because if they're waiting for this Messiah to come, their Messiah, and they're looking for signs and wonders, and then Paul comes in and says, oh, by the way, that's Jesus, whom I preach that you no longer have to follow the law. Righteousness is no longer the law. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ, and they reject it. And then he goes out there and he starts performing miracles amongst the Gentiles. What do you think that that's supposed to tell the Jews? 
oh, I, I probably should have listened, or maybe I should go back out there and talk to him. And so, yeah, I think I think it was for for both myself. So, what, what, what's your thought? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you come to a, an opinion, make sure you share it with me or share it with all of us. So, and so, yes, he he he's doing these signs and wonders. Um, but like I said, nine of his 13 um, epistles open with this statement of him being apostle. Uh, the other four still declare his authority. Uh, one of them doesn't um, get as specific as, as the rest, Philippians. But if you notice what, what he says in Philippians, he literally says, I don't have to because of all the things you've done to prove that you already understand this. But then the other three... He, he makes specific statements, which we'll look at here in a second. Reg. Going back to Acts 15, mm-hmm. the great council in Jerusalem, they were opposing Paul all the way, except, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when he and Titus, as a witness, started telling him all the miracles that God had wrought through him, yep. that kind of shut him down a little bit. And then Peter stood up and he put the icing on the cake. Yep, and we're going to be looking at Acts 15. So if you were, if you heard what Reg is talking about, um, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But no, you're you're exactly right. Um, Paul has to go back and and um, he has the uh, he has the position that you know whenever he gets back from talking to them and he goes and tells people about the conversation and he's he 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 doesn't submit under the authority of the twelve. That's not what he does at all. He understands his equality. Matter of fact, he understands the fact that he's got this different thing going on, and it's the thing that's taking precedent now. You know, I've heard people say that uh, the first ten chapters, Paul's writing to the Jews, and then after chapter ten, then he gets because you know it says, uh, "Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Are you right? The divine said, "Well, no, that's not for us. You got to." Yeah, and, and we don't have time to go into that, but I, I would comment on this, that I think that Paul, there are times he, he makes statements that are a reference to the gospel, and he's talking to the body of Christ. And he doesn't give the whole gospel, but he assumes you understand it because he writ, he wrote it in that same book. And so, you know, it's not like 1 Corinthians 15 is the only place that the gospel is talked about. And so like Romans uh, Romans 10, uh, Romans 10, people, a lot of rightly dividers have a problem with that, which I, I, I think that, yes, Romans 9, 10, 11 is, is about Israel, but I think what Paul talks about, uh, you know, the gospel, sometimes he doesn't word it in the exact specific way every time. He assumes that you understand it because he just wrote about it. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that as we get into Romans 10. Um, but look here at First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. And here, again pointing out, this is one of those um, books that Paul doesn't open with the idea that I'm an apostle. But you still see the authority. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in what? Power. And in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we are among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy and the Holy Spirit. And so here he's, he's validating the fact that he is a sent one with authority, with power. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Now, pay attention to what this says. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, um, again, the first chapter doesn't start with him being an apostle. But he better be one if he's going to say what he says here. Look what he says. Now we what? We, for somebody to command, they have to have authority. He says, now we command you, brethren. I turn the page here. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly 
and not after the tradition which he received of who? <coughs> of us. And so again, Paul is, is establishing, look, I'm, I'm that one who came with the message of God and, and it presented it to you, and I'm commanding you. There are times which Paul says, I don't want to have to command you. Matter of fact, that's what he says in Philemon. In Philemon, he's talking, he's beseeching um, Philemon, um, which actually just go ahead and go there. He's beseeching Philemon for the for a friend, for a fellow believer, but also for a slave um, who is um, named Onesimus. Philemon, look at verse uh, eight. He says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin you that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I'd rather beseech you. And so there are times in which Paul chooses not to speak boldly and exercise his authority, but yet he tries to beseech people to come on. Here's what the right thing is. I'm asking you to do the right thing. And that was the case here with with Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave of Philemon's who got saved through the Apostle Paul while he was in Rome. He begins, he's a believer, he loves the Lord, he's helping Paul in his ministry. And so he, Paul writes a letter to Philemon beseeching Philemon to receive Onesimus back, not as a runaway slave, but as a brother in Christ. And so you see here, Paul again says, I could do this, but I'd rather not. And so... Again, whenever we think of Paul's apostleship, his authority, um, we see this consistently through, through the 13 epistles. And obviously the book of Acts makes that very clear um, as well. So, Any questions on that? Comments? Okay. Go back to Romans. And uh, notice what it uh, says here that he's separated. And it is going to be what I fear we're not going to get through verse 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of Christ turn to Galatians chapter 1 here he's separated in the gospel um, but he's also an apostle um, not called by men Galatians 1 verse 1 not from man, but from God. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Uh, making it a very, very bold statement that he's an <coughs> apostle and he was separated, and he was separated, he was an apostle by God. Um, not because he, he went to seminary, not because, you know, he was an eloquent speaker or anything like that. Um, he was separated by God. Look at verse 15, Galatians 1, verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So in other words, <coughs> he was separated by God <coughs> and he didn't instantly go to, to Peter and the twelve to learn you know, what it is he's supposed to teach. No, he learned it straight from God himself, from Jesus Christ. That's where he learned it from, which was necessary for him to be an apostle. The 12 could not be apostles of Jesus Christ if they were learning it from somebody else. They had to learn it directly from Jesus himself. That's why one of the reasons why they were qualified. One of the reasons why Paul is qualified to be an apostle in the day of grace is because of where he learned it, where he was separated from. And so... Um, question is, is if he separated unto the gospel of God, wasn't that long ago um, we spoke about which gospel we're, you know, to share with the world? Because uh, if you've been taught uh, or, or led to believe that there's only one gospel in the scriptures, that's, that's not the case. There's more than one gospel. Um, there's the gospel of the kingdom that the twelve taught, that Jesus commanded to be taught. There's the gospel of the grace of God, which is the one that you need to be taught. Um, there's the gospel that went to Abraham. There's the gospel of the circumcision, the gospel of the uncircumcision. Um, there's the gospel that's preached during the, the tribulation, which is the gospel of the kingdom, but also the everlasting gospel, which is the thing that the angel goes around at the very end, right before 
the very end, you have, you have an angel that's going around and preaching the everlasting gospel. Basically, in a nutshell, is saying, don't take the mark of the beast and rather be afraid of God. That's ultimately what it's saying. It's one last warning, this everlasting gospel. And so when we talk about which gospel, look at Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Uh, where are we at? Where are we at? But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. This was Paul's gospel. This was the ministry that Jesus Christ, when he appeared on him to him on the road to Damascus, it wasn't to preach the gospel of the kingdom. It was to preach the gospel of the grace of God. Some would suggest, rightly dividers, and I would disagree, that Paul preached the gospel of the kingdom early on. Uh, whenever he was first saved, that he and it does say that he 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 openly um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here argued that Christ was the Messiah with the Jews he did but it also says that he at the same time whenever he does it he teaches them that righteousness is not of the law well that wasn't the gospel of the kingdom that's the gospel of the grace of God and so there you get your hint of what he was talking about. Did somebody have their hand up over here? Tim or anybody? Okay. Look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. Look at what this says. Romans 2, 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's why it's very important that we teach the right gospel. Because the gospel that Paul preaches is not the same one that, that the twelve preached. And if that's foreign to you, I can understand that. That's foreign to all of us when we first, when we first hear that stuff. But like I tell everybody, do you want to be comfortable or do you want to be right? It's your choice. You can be comfortable. But you can be comfortably wrong. The truth of the fact of the matter is, is just like Reggie talked about, uh, Paul has to go back and he has to explain the gospel that he preaches. Not because he's giving justification for his ministry, but because it wasn't the same one that the twelve were preaching. So, but look at chapter 16 here of Romans. Romans chapter 16. I'm trying to pick a good stopping point. Romans 16, 25. Romans 16, 25, it says, Now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Not, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Paul writes, Paul writes the book of, of, of Romans. Remember when we talked about this in roughly Acts chapter 20? Do you have any idea how many years that's been since Jesus started his earthly ministry? A long time. A long time. But Paul's saying, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching it according to the revelation of the mystery. And I'm, and I'm preaching it, and it was a mystery hidden until now. And so, again, this gospel that he was separated unto... Um, is this particular gospel. One more verse, and then we'll call it a, um, a week, and we'll pick up next week. Look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. Galatians 1, 11. And we started to hint on this idea that his gospel was a mystery. And so I tell you that because next week that's where we'll pick up at is this mystery of the gospel showing that it isn't the same one. It's not just that Paul came and taught the same gospel to a different group. He, he taught a different gospel to a different group is what he did. 
But look here at Galatians 1.11. He says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, either Paul is a blasphemer, or he's been given a new message. Paul knew the gospel of the circumcision before this, and he rejected it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even that in itself. He's not saying, oh, my eyes have been opened, and now I understand that gospel. You know? And you just opened a can of worms, <laughs> which is good. And, and maybe we'll talk about this, uh, if you guys want to. I mean, I initially thought about putting that in there. But keep in mind, when we, when we think of Paul's um, not being qualified for the apostleship to the twelve, if you... One of the things you have to understand is, is this change between this program with Israel and this program with uh, the body of Christ... And we will talk about it, actually, now that I think about it, at the, towards the end of uh, next week. Uh, because Paul commits, basically, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does in Acts chapter 7 with the stoning of Stephen. He pretty much, what he does is he commits blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? Stephen, as a result of what Saul and the rest of the group were doing, sees Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of God. But guess what Jesus did whenever he ascended up to heaven? He sat down. But now he's standing. And we'll talk more about what that means because Paul references um, something to me which is very cool about his ministry. And um, I don't want to give too much away, but um, it, it goes into kind of what she's talking about. So, All right, any... Any other comments or questions? Between the ascension or or Christ's earthly ministry, well, his earthly ministry was three years, and it was generally from the study I did a while back. I counted about seven to ten years after Christ's ascension until Paul was saved on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine. So you're talking about 10 to 13 years since Christ's ministry until Paul gets saved. Then he spends three years in Arabia, and then he goes around um, and doesn't get around to um, writing the book of Romans until around almost 60 AD. So you're talking almost 30 years from Christ's earthly ministry beginning to the book of Romans starts to get written. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a long time. Sometimes we lose, lose that scope of understanding of the amount of time that has taken place in this. Paul's ministry was, you know, almost 30 years long. And it was, I mean, he wore out sandals, I'm telling you, walking from town to town. And so, um, yeah, it was a long time. It also, it also shows you, too, how unsuccessful the, the 12 were because they were out... <coughs> preaching uh, to the, the Jews, and they didn't even make it really out of Jerusalem uh, right. during that whole 30-year time period. So, yep. And uh, Acts 1 makes it clear that they have to convert Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then the utter, uttermost parts of the world. And so, uh, yeah, Tim's exactly right. They didn't, they didn't get Jerusalem converted. So, yeah. Well, when Christ was on the cross... He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And what he did, he gave them a second chance until Paul, you know, until Stephen. Mm-hmm. And that was seven years. Mm-hmm. So seven is a number of completion. Sure. So yeah. now, then he, next thing we read, he converts uh, Paul. Right, because remember what Jesus said, um, blasphemy against the Father can be forgiven, against the Son, but not against the Holy Ghost. And so they had already um, rejected the Father, they rejected the Son. Christ prays for them to be forgiven. And so they do have another chance. That one chance is going to be whether or not they're going to listen to the testimony of the Holy Spirit, which testified for about seven years through the signs and the wonders and the things that the 12 apostles were doing. And then it, it all came crumbling down and crashing down at the stoning of Stephen, which Saul was a part of. And then at that point, boom, judgment fell on the nation of Israel. But instead of God's wrath, God's grace fell. 
And it's when you understand um, the dispensation of grace when you, is when you really begin to understand grace because what was supposed to fall was God's wrath and God's judgment. Those things you see in the book of Revelation, that was the next thing on the agenda. But when Paul says here that, there, that this mystery that, that was he's preaching, um, Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, that's this day of grace that nobody knew anything about. Because the next thing that was supposed to happen was the tribulation period, God's wrath on mankind. And thank God. But then where does Matthew 16, 28 come in where it says, Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in this kingdom. Matthew 16. Which verse is that again? 28. 28. Yeah, verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't really have the greatest answer for that. Um, all I know is is from process of elimination that um, obviously the kingdom didn't come in yet. And so what is he referencing here? I think sometimes there are things that we, we don't truly understand. And there may be, may be a teacher who's got a fantastic explanation for that. Um, I just have, have heard different ones, and I'm not sure that I'm convinced. Why do you got a good explanation for that one? Okay, so I feel better that I don't either. Um, but, but, but truly the understanding of this is, is keep in mind that, that um, is that a reference to Acts chapter 7? Is that a, is I don't know. Whenever whenever he stand whenever uh, uh, Stephen sees Jesus Christ um, in heaven in glory standing in judgment upon the nation of Israel is a reference to that. That's what some people teach. But how that works exactly, I'm not sure. Um, but I do know that the Bible does talk about the world um, and ages because it breaks it down into different ages and different groups. And so, you know, I wish I had a better answer for you. Okay. All right.